welcome to the Out of Edge podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stacey Gonzalez, and I'm so excited that today we have with us Dr. Lorea Martinez. She's a faculty member at Columbia University Teachers College, and she's going to share with us the things that she is seeing and experiencing today on the front lines in education. Welcome, Dr. Martinez. Thank you for having me, Stacey. So glad that you're here today, and, and I know you're going to tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Sure. So my work is focused on helping schools and organizations to implement social emotional learning in their practices and in their learning communities. Um, I'm also a researcher, so I look at what are some of the best practices that are currently happening in schools that are supporting students' learning. And in my work at Columbia University, I work with aspiring principals, so coaches and teachers that are getting their administrative credential, and I teach an emotional intelligence course so they can be fully prepared to face some of the challenges that they encounter when they go uh, to their schools and they are principals. Wow, that is that is important work. So thank you. Thank you for doing that work. I'd love to talk a little bit. You know, we were talking about this before the show and I was saying, could we just start with SEL for the adults? And then you talked about your working with principals and doing an emotional intelligence class. And so can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing right now with adults and the leaders relative to SEL? Because Without our adults embracing it, taking care of ourselves, understanding it, how can we transfer that to our teachers and kids? That's so true. And I think one of the, you know, looking at the silver lining of the pandemic, what schools have realized as, you know, teachers have gone through a lot and um, their mental health has been impacted by, you know, COVID-19, not only from a personal perspective in, you know, losing loved ones or having job insecurity. Uh, but also from the professional standpoint where they had to, you know, respond to this crisis and switch from in-person to teach online. And it's, you can do that change. Um, You know, it's not a straight line. You have to almost relearn how to teach uh, through a digital environment. So they have uh, gone through a lot. And I think that schools have realized that unless they were intentionally supporting the mental health of educators, ed- educators would leave the profession. And actually, recent research from the RAND Corporation has shown that uh, teachers are leaving the profession at higher rates. And one of the, the main reasons that teachers have shared is because of the level of stress that they are dealing with. That makes That makes sense. You know, as an educator and as a, a person who not only, right, like all of us in the world have has been under COVID, I had COVID. And I was just talking today about how I don't feel the same mentally, emotionally. I'm not, I don't, I haven't looked at any of the research yet, but I'm, I'm more, I'm more sensitive. I, I don't feel I'm not as acute in my, like how you said, researching, looking up things. Are you noticing that um, there's a a mental health component or or have you seen anything like that? Yes. And and I think there's also, 
you know, definitely with, there are all these side effects from the COVID that I think doctors are still researching and figuring out what it means and, and how to support you, those uh, who have had COVID in the past. And there's also the aspect of the mental fatigue that comes with, you know, dealing with high levels of stress in the long term. And that's definitely taking an impact on people's mental health. Um, I think that we go through all of these transitions and we, you know, pretty much everybody's trying to do their best to have a sense of normalcy, but that's, it's very difficult. So in, when it comes to schools, there is such a big need to not only welcome students back in the classroom and making sure that students are supported and they are, they are feeling safe, but also that we are supporting the social and emotional capacity of those adults, um, because otherwise, you know, as I was saying, we, we see that teachers are leaving the profession, but also as a learning community, we need to support those adults so they can do the, their jobs. Yeah, because we need people who are committed to education and learning, right? Like we, we can't let an entire to your point, an entire community, an entire population who, you know, as as you and I, as educators, I believe education is the heartbeat of our country, of our world. And um, without that, with with this dismantling that we're kind of seeing, I'm wondering about these the, uh, the long term effects um, and and what that might what that might mean if if students don't feel welcome, supported, safe, if adults don't have the energy to give to our kids, what might happen as a result of that? That's right. And, and there are two kind of like uh, conflicting areas. Uh, one, there's a lot of talk about um, teachers having to take care of themselves, right? So self-care in the teaching profession seems to have become this buzzword. Um, and there is a part of that that is, is uh, understandable where we we need to provide and support teachers to develop their capacity to deal with stress or be able to make decisions that are positive for their physical and their mental health, their physical exercise, their diet. All of those aspects are important to, you know, maintain a, a healthy level of energy in your everyday life. But there's the other part around what are the conditions that schools are creating for those teachers to work in. So when we talk about the mental health of educators, we cannot just talk about um, what teachers need to do, but also from an organizational perspective, what are the systems of support that schools are creating for those teachers to be able to do their work um, in, in the best conditions? Because otherwise, you know, we are always going to be playing uh, catch up, right? The system needs to support the adult um, as much as, as the students. Yeah. Have you seen or experienced any organizations that are doing it well? And, and what does it look like or, or when they should be doing it well? What should it look like? Yeah, so I've, I know several um, schools that really focus their attention on um, relationships, right? And, and they drive and the relationships are at the heart of what they do on a regular basis. 
And that means that teachers are seen in their full humanity, that they there is an acknowledgement that they have needs, that they have strengths, and that they have areas of growth. Um, and when you are leading and, and centering your work on relationships, you see that there are certain things that need to happen. And just to give you a, a concrete example, during staff meetings, there is a tendency to just go to like, what's the order of business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you Oh, yeah, I know those staff topics, meetings. Yeah, right. You, 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 you know, I, I don't see your, uh, your face, but I know you're smiling on the other side. <laughs> and there is a, a almost like a dehumanization of that process, because we are now coming together as a community to acknowledge, okay, you are during, during the staff meeting, you come with emotions, right? You come with probably still thinking about something that happened with the student, or maybe you had your uh, planning time and you're worried because you are behind on planning or grading papers, whatever uh, the educator might be dealing with. And he's acknowledging, okay, we're coming together and there is a some time and it doesn't need to be long to acknowledge we're here and just taking a few minutes to connect with each other at that emotional level and to support each other or do an appreciation. There are like so many things that you can do to um, really create that climate where teachers feel supported and they feel that connection with each other and with administration as well. You know, Dr. Martinez, you just struck something in me. And it, it was, I don't feel like I did a great job emotionally connecting when we first got on the Zoom. And I, I was feeling a little off. Like this is all authentic, right? Like I, I and, and I was feeling a little off before our call. And so I, I, I feel like I carried it in and it would have been nice had I, you just made me think of it. Had I said, how are you feeling today? How has it been for you? Like adding that in every relationship we have, remembering to do that. So I just, I want to say, how are you doing today? How, how have you been? How has this been for you? Yeah, and, and, and I'll answer your question in a minute, but I, I just want to say that when we ask that question, um, sometimes we don't ask with the intention of listening. Mm. And, and I think that uh, for adults, sometimes it's hard to hear if other people are struggling or they are sharing uh, something that is painful because it it uh, generates something painful in ourselves. So many times when we acknowledge each other, it might be how you're doing and you expect the other person to say fine or well, but not going to detail or really not, not being authentic in that exchange. So I think that when we bring that SCL lens into our relationships, we are really acknowledging that humanity. We are really trying to connect and have that emotional bond mm-hmm. um, and thinking about your your comment of like oh I was not emotionally connecting how you know it changes the dynamic if you have if you are speaking with someone and they offer the space to share how you are feeling and the the research shows that when you actually name your feelings, um, it is a strategy to process what's happening. So uh, Dr. Dan Siegel talks about name it to tame it. So naming the emotion in order to tame um, all everything that comes with it, right? So if I, I actually had a very pleasant morning today, so I came to this podcast not feeling agitated or frustrated, 
I was ready for the conversation. I was looking forward to it. But if something had happened before it and we had just jumped into business, it would have been, you know, an effort to really um, be present in the conversation. Well, if you create the space to connect with your emotions and to see their emotions for what they are, then you can be really open to the interaction or the learning or whatever you are engaging um, in doing. Yeah, that that reminds me of Mark Brackett's work around um, being an emotional scientist and that notion of emotions are information. And, you know, one of the things that, to your point around, it feels so hard when um, you've got the, um, the intelligence side of you, that IQ going, right? Like you're trying to think through it. I'm trying to think of what I'm saying for this podcast. But as a as a as a real emotion, an empath, a person who is very in touch with my emotions, um, I, I also have that high EQ going at the same time, and and sometimes it feels like they kind of get clogged. And so, to your point about making the space, and what you just kind of I just thought of from this is sometimes if somebody else doesn't offer us the space, we can offer the space and invite them in if we know we need it. Yes, that, that's right. And I also think that if someone is not inviting you to, to that space and you are coming agitated to a conversation or a meeting, you can create the space for yourself. And that's something that, you know, with SCL, that's one of the core components in terms of developing your social emotional capacity is, as you were mentioning, really seeing those emotions as data information that you can um, acknowledge and identify, and then trying to interpret what is the meaning of those emotions. And if someone is not creating that space for you, but you know that you have to go into a task, you need to give yourself a little bit of time to process those feelings and see what's happening uh, before you can engage. And this is a practice, right? This is something that if you are not used to doing it, it requires a little bit of intention at the beginning to say, okay, I need to create uh, some, some habits in my day to connect with my feelings to make sure that I'm not missing information, right? It's almost like if you have tools um, that, that your body is giving you and you are not using them, right? So when you connect with your emotions, you're actually using all the tools that you have at, at your disposal. So if we're not connecting with our emotions, we're not using all the tools we have, and we're not operating in the fullness of our of our humanity. That's right. I mean, emotions are are part of being a, being human, and they they happen even if we don't want to. One of the things that <laughs> that's true, very true. Right, when, that I talk to the uh, my my students at Columbia, and also in the work that I do. Uh, supporting schools and doing professional development for teachers, that's a conversation that we often have is if you don't, even if you don't want to admit that you are feeling a certain way, and as we know, there are many emotions that are harder to admit to ourselves that we are experiencing, um, those emotions are going to happen no matter what, right? The emotions mm-hmm. are a conversation from you to you. So um, again, we through this SCL process and this SCL lens, what we do is uh, really approach emotions from a non-judgmental place. They are data, 
right? They are not good or bad. We don't classify them or categorize them. We may say, oh, these are pleasant versus unpleasant emotions. Or, you know, when we work with kids, we talk about big feelings versus small feelings, but they are there for, for a reason, right? And our job is to interpret and figure out why, what, what is that they are telling us? Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm reading, which I don't know why I'm even, you know, I like to read different things. So I'm reading right now, Carl Rogers work on becoming a person, right? A therapist view of psychotherapy. And he talks, he talks, he's got a bunch of essays and it's amazing. And, and one of the things that kind of stuck with me, what you just said was we look at our emotions and we, we, we don't have to, we don't have to see them as good or bad. We can see them not judgmentally. And then you said, but we might notice they're pleasant or unpleasant. What I'm really, as I've been reading this book, thinking a lot about is kind of that self-actualization where we accept that I don't really love to cry. I don't love the feeling of when I'm crying. I don't like the, I don't like the tears, the blubbery. I don't like that. I can't get my words out, but how do we, how do we, is, is part of the SEL to move to that self-actualization, that acceptance by doing these practices we get, we can take it to a deeper level. Does that, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yes, no, absolutely. So the goal of SCL is not to just acquire a set of essential social-emotional skills. When applied to learning environments, the goal of SCL is being able to look at the conditions for learning, look at how teaching practices are supporting students' growth and development, and then figuring out from that SCL lens if the conditions are appropriate and conducive to the best learning that someone can do. So the SEL is not a destination, but it's actually a vehicle for students to become their best selves. And that is the part around self-actualization that it's important is to that these these tools and these skills are going to help you get where you want to go. And in my a new book, Teaching with the Heart in Mind. Uh, heart is actually an acronym for five essential social emotional skills. And the last competency in the model, the T stands for transform with purpose. So there is a part of SCL that also asks us to move beyond our individual needs and desires and dreams and see how we can connect and how we can contribute our gifts to, for the betterment of our communities, right? So there is a part of this work that includes being able to move from the individual to the collective and truly be able, be, being able to contribute and to make contributions to the communities that we are part of or looking at the problems that we want to solve and then putting the work to use these tools in order to, to do that. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. I love this notion that we can show up in, in the fullness of our humanity and that T at the end to transform with purpose. Um, you know, I I've been thinking a lot about growth. And when, when you grow, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. You feel it. Like if you even, you know, when kids are growing, they have growing pains, right? Because they're physically growing. And 
as somebody who's really um, invested in understanding my emotions, communicating my emotions, having healthy relationships with others, which requires a great level of, to your point, intention and um, focus in order to do that. I'm finding that the growth that comes, like your point, and in this vehicle through the SEL work, if you will, it's sometimes it's really hard, even as a 46 year old woman who has a doctorate and has worked really hard and ha- right has found these successes potentially in other areas. There are things with SEL that are just challenging on the daily basis. That's right. And sometimes that's called like the learning zone, right? And yes. the, the that learning zone, you need to you know, you have your prior knowledge and your prior experiences that you are bringing to the work. And in addition, there is, you know, there's a destination, there's a place where you want to go or something that specific, a certain skills or knowledge that you want to acquire. And in order to get there, you have to wrestle with either those skills or that knowledge, right? And in, um, in, in education, we talk about the zone of proximal development mm-hmm. uh, from Vygotsky, right? That for students in order to grow, they need to be challenged. You know, they, the instruction needs to be challenging, but it cannot be too difficult where they are not able to get there without support, right? So you are building the blocks for that growth to happen. And when it comes to the SEL part, it's so important because sometimes we think about academics and SEL as two separate things. But actually, in in order to learn new concepts, new skills, uh, you need your your social emotional skills. And that can can take the form of what is the kind of self-talk? What are the things that you tell yourself when you are stuck or where you get frustrated because you... Um, the thing that you are trying to learn, maybe it's not coming or it's, you are not able to solve that problem effectively, um, that can be a part, but also emotions are involved in um, any cognitive processing, right? If you are making decisions, if you are trying to learn new things, um, there is, the emotions are involved in that process. So we need to bring both sets of things in order to, to grow and to learn new things. Yeah. And you know that that old saying, children are a sponge. I'm wondering from your research, your expertise, do you find that children are able to easier adapt once they're taught those skills and given those tools uh, versus somebody like my age who's 46, that it's going to be the growth is going to take a little bit longer potentially? Yeah, that's a really good question. And what we know about um, child development is that it, it is easier for um, children and, and young adults to develop this set of skills um, because the brain is malleable um, at, at a higher grades, at a higher levels when, when we are younger. But that doesn't mean that our brains cannot change and develop when we are older, right? And I think for SEL, um, it's never too late to start learning these skills, especially if you notice that they are um, hindering your ability to meet your goals, either in your professional or your personal life. Um, What happens with the adults is as we experience the world, we develop certain behavior patterns. And many times we start to 
behave in autopilot where, you know, the same way that you would many mornings, probably you brush your teeth and you are not thinking about, you know, how you brush your teeth. You're probably thinking about something else and you just go about the task because it's something that you do every day. So we have these behavior patterns that sometimes are very damaging to either our relationships or our ability to be productive in our workplace. And part of the SEL work as adults is to look at those patterns and really identify, well, are those patterns supporting my the things that I want to do with my life? And if they are not, then, you know, putting the work, again, this, there is some intention that you have to put into place um, in order to change those patterns. And of course, it's hard because as adults, you know, some of those patterns are really embedded into who we are as human beings. Yeah. And, and sometimes as adults, I could see, especially, you know, I've, I've been in schools and organizations, as you have adults, there are adults who just want to come in and not acknowledge those patterns and not acknowledge those those feelings or emotions because they want to quote go to work and not have it not have that part of themselves potentially revealed or feeling it's too counts you know a counseling type of a situation um, and I think it it goes back to your point where you started around it's essential to humanity and being a human being, acknowledging um, that we are, we have emotions and, and allowing ourselves, especially, especially right now, when things are so hard. Um, I you know mentioned earlier, COVID has hit so hard, both on people's physically, the loss that they've had, um, and, and the things we don't even know how it's affected our mental health. And so, I'm wondering how do we, how do we, and I'm saying we, I'm at Mar Dr. Martinez, I am with you. I promise you, we're in this together. How do we help our schools, our organizations do this work, embrace this work to see real transformation happen? Because to your point, this is the heart work, this is the relationship work, this is the human work. Yes, I, I would say that there are kind of two two ways to do this that are uh, complementary. So one is looking at what you can do as an individual. So if you're an educator, this is work that you can do for yourself and you can do for your students. So even if you are in a building where nobody's doing SEL or maybe SEL is being used for punitive reasons and not really to embrace that humanity and that relationship-based classroom, um, you you can still do this on your own. Um, and there are many resources nowadays that are available for teachers to bring SEL into their classroom. And then the other part is more the systems approach is really looking at what are the, again, the conditions for learning that we are setting up for children. What are the supports that we are providing for adults? How are our meetings conducted? Do we have clarity about the purpose and why we have kids in, in schools, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we realize, well, um, you know, education, of course we want students to learn their, their math, their English language arts, their science, but at the same time, if, you don't, if we don't help students um, and adults along the process to develop these skills, those students are not going to be able to navigate the world, the diverse and complex world um, 
when they grow up, right? So again, I think that is looking at this as something that is not an add-on, but actually something that is part of good teaching. Like sometimes, many times I say SEL is good teaching. So you can bring and embrace SEL um, not only to support your students, but also to become a better educator. Ultimately, a better person, a better version of you, a better person who who can show up for yourself and show up for others in a in a greater way in a more authentic way yes and and it has to do with how are we you know nurturing uh committed citizenships right and and we know um through the pandemic it has become clear all the inequities uh, that impact uh, black indigenous and people of color right so a lot of the the scl work is also to acknowledge those those challenges um, and the problems that we have in our systems and have the tools uh, to be able to dismantle those systems of oppression and to be able to do it from a place of, of care and courage, right? Because some of these conversations and some of the work that it takes, um, it, it's going to be uncomfortable and it takes, you know, some courage to, to step into the work. Yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. This work um, is is hard on 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 new on so many levels, and we need brave, bold leaders in our schools uh, because our schools are the hearts of our communities, which are the hearts of our world at the end of the day. And so we need people who are willing to be brave. Um, share how they're feeling. You know, I got I got a text this morning from from a, a colleague of mine who's well respected superintendent. He's just a, a a really great man. And I asked him something about you know how are you? How's the da da? And he's like, you know, I'm just really struggling, and it's been really hard. You know, I know it's been hard for everybody with COVID. And I just said, let's let's meet for a walk, and I can listen. And I'm so appreciative that you, if you want, right? If you want, let's meet for a walk. And I'm so thankful and appreciative that you you shared that level of vulnerability with me. And that is an example of a, a, he's a man who's been in his career, who's who's done the politics, who's done all the pieces, and is is still showing. Okay, well. So that just happened. <laughs> I'm like, well, what SEL practice do I need to do right now? Seth? That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what SEL practice? Really, I thought, okay, because for our listeners, I'll, I'll edit this. I'll add, I'll start again here. Um, but our internet dropped, my internet dropped. And I was like, and the screen is going to the wrong screen and the Zoom's going to the different thing and I can't find it. And I'm like, okay. If I get all worked up and stressed out, uh, number one, I'll be overloaded. So number two, I can't control this. What can I control? Like, so I had to do this whole, like, I'm talking about SEL. You can't not go back into this meaning and be, uh, be, be stressed out about this. So it's actually great that we were uh, on the SEL conversation because it reminded me in that moment to pause and, and take it in and be okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And to, to say, okay, this is what I can control, right? I can control 
not getting, you know, too frustrated or too stressed out and then just going from there. <laughs> yes. So that was that was an example of SEL in action for us. That's listeners. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so as we as we come to a close, um, can is there anything I didn't ask you or anything you want to share with our audience that just a, a, some, a walk away? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I, I don't have any questions that come to mind right now that you could ask to close. And that's okay. Yeah. So I'll ask you the final question. Okay. The final question is, what do you think the future of SEL or what do you hope the future of SEL in education looks like in, in 10 years? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question, Stacey. Thank you for asking that. There are two things that are very important to me. One, which we have been talking about in the podcast, is the adult social and emotional capacity. And I'm really hoping that the SEL field continues to call attention to the importance of those skills and continues to find ways to support adults to develop those skills and and to do it for the long term, right? Not only when we are in a moment of crisis, but to truly to integrate that as part of our everyday lives, that we, we have this set of skills that we cultivate, that we practice, and that we take care of our mental health and our well-being as much as we take care of other parts of um, of, of having a, a healthy a healthy life. And then the second part, and that is a little bit newer in the SCL field, is um, this idea that SCL needs to be in service of equity and social justice and really support all students. And I think that we, we have seen, especially in the last few months, that SCL has not been supporting uh, Black, Indigenous, and students of color in the ways that it was supposed to. And that means that we need to do more work in terms of finding ways to support all students so they can be the best versions of themselves in the classroom where they feel safe, they are supported, they have challenging instruction. And that means that we bring a, a lens to SCL that incorporates uh, cultural competence and that incorporates really teaching the students that we have in front of us, where we are listening to the stories where student voice is included. So there are many aspects of making sure that SEL is truly uh, fulfilling its promise. And we cannot do that unless it is grounded and, and built with the objective to be for to, to serve equity and social justice. Thank you for, for saying that and really helping frame how, what you hope for, which is you hope that we are really kind of stepping up, bringing these, these, this help for our students, being able to do the work as individuals and then connect that work and, and engage in, in the SEL work as a community uh, so, that we're, so that we're all better um, as educators. I so appreciate you, um, Dr. Martinez, faculty member at Columbia University Teachers College. If our audience or our listeners want to get a hold of you or find you, where where might they find you um, out on the internet or how might they reach you? Sure. So they can go to my website is loreamartinez.com. Um, and I have a ton of uh 
blog uh, posts that I have been writing over the years. So if they are interested in SCL, that's a place where they can find a ton of information. And as I mentioned, I have a new book that came out in February of 2021, Teaching with the Heart in Mind. So that's another great resource for any educator who wants to um, start or uh, improve their SEL practice. Um, and I also hang out on Twitter. So you can uh, follow me there, my, um, at Lorea Mart. Great. So that for our listeners is L-O-R-E-A-M-A-R-T-I-N-E-Z. So you can find her at, at that those handles. Um, thank you so much for, for being here, Dr. Martinez. I know that this, just this conversation, just this time that we've spent together, um, from where I started to where I'm at now, it's, it's certainly been um, a, a great learning experience. I've got pages of notes and um, I really, really appreciate the work you're doing to, to help move education in a direction that we all can be proud of. Thank you so much for having me, Stacy. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you.